I've never met a real estate investor who buys one property and says, I'm pretty happy for the rest of my life. You want that next property. You want to upscale. So we want to help you get there. When it comes to the conversations and the relationships, people like that. If you just want a widget answer where it's just a yes or no, we're not for you. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Mark Ritter. Mark is a credit union and banking and real estate lending expert, and today that's what we're diving into. We're talking about the world of credit unions and how they work with real estate investors. We dive into how their loan products can differ from other financial institutions, some key differences that can be advantageous to real estate investors. We also discuss mistakes that he sees real estate investors making when they go to start working with a lender and some specific advantages that he believes credit unions offer for real estate investors. It's a great conversation, ton of knowledge, and not a lot of folks are out there talking about credit unions, real estate investing, real estate lending, and how that all differs from the commercial banking space. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form, schedule a call, and we will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Mark Ritter. We're diving into credit unions and how they work with real estate investors. Let's go. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to dive into credit unions and how they work in the real estate lending space. But before we dive into the whole meat of the topic today, you mind telling our listeners a bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, thank you for having me, Taylor. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I am currently the CEO of Member Business Financial Services. Uh, That tends to be a mouthful, so we just call it MBFS. And for over 20 years, I've been in the just in the credit union space and focusing just on one area, and that is real estate investments through credit unions. I started a program at a large credit union in central Pennsylvania. And a little over 10 years ago, I moved to what we call in our industry a CUSO, which is Credit Union Service Organization. And we are owned by 13 credit unions, and we work with over 100 credit unions nationwide. And we are essentially the facilitator to help credit unions underwrite Uh, document. We do commercial loan servicing. But one of the most important thing we do is we work directly with borrowers to help them get the credit unions in their area to to lend to them for real estate investments. So we're we're kind of uh, almost like uh, an outsourced commercial lending department uh, because many credit unions, they they might not have the size or scale or, or it's really just more efficient to instead of creating all of that in-house, they, they've all kind of worked together and formed a company like us to do just that. And that's real estate investments. Nice. Okay. So I've been a credit union user for quite a long time myself, as long as I really have had any money to put anywhere. But for our listeners who don't know or aren't aware of the difference between 
a credit union and a typical bank. Let's just set a baseline. Can you just define that for us so we're all on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. And many times, you know, why, why I like to come on shows like this is, is to be the Pied Piper of credit unions, <laughs> because over 125 million Americans belong to credit unions. And they like them, they, their parents opened the account for them, they got a car loan there, and they have this really nice relationship because of that, but they don't realize credit unions do a large amount of commercial real estate, real estate investment financing. But you know, when you look at a credit union, you know, you drive past it and it has a drive-through and an ATM and it signs up with the local specials and and, and I'll say it, it kind of looks and feels like a bank and you know, money's money, it spends the same way, you know, the the debit cards and credit cards work the same. But what really is different is when you lift up the covers of the organization. You know, credit unions are cooperatives. Uh, and, and they're not-for-profit financial cooperatives. And they're owned by the members of the organization. And they're managed by a board of directors that's elected by the members of the organization. So that really tends to drive the philosophy at, as much more of a community-type organization or an organization that's being run for the people who have the accounts there versus, you know, maybe sometimes some of the other for-profit alternatives out there that are being driven by growth, profit. How much can we can we bleed out a little bit more? And everybody I talk to says the same thing. They want a relationship with their lender. They want a relationship with their local institution. And that's the big difference in that when you know the, you have the structure that's different but credit unions philosophically are somewhere that you can have that relationship and conversation to get all of your personal things done that everybody listening knows credit unions do but also the real estate piece of it as well for your investments now credit unions have been around over 100 years but that commercial piece is the relatively new piece and the reason maybe people who've been involved in a while, a while don't think about it is it really wasn't of substance 20 25 30 years ago it it wasn't something that credit unions did hmm interesting i, I wonder why not but we are where we are now and they do that commercial piece now but they also outsource a lot of that to companies like yourself. Why would they outsource a lot of that, you know, lending activity and bring in a third party rather than establish it on your own? Is it a question of scale or not having the in-house resources or why? Yeah, there, there, there's two big reasons for that. And credit unions, you know, one of the principles of cooperatives is that they cooperate with each other. The credit unions, we, we have a lot of conventions, we have a lot of conferences, and we work together and talk about our business and how we do things. And, and the reality is most credit unions would be considered very small banks. You know, your average credit unions, I, I think, is around $250 million in assets, which would be relatively small. Now, there's much larger credit unions than that, but but if you think about it, to buy a software system that you need is a $100,000 investment. Credit analysts aren't cheap. All the infrastructure, lenders. So when you start adding that up, 
it can be a seven-figure investment for an institution to get going. Or they could form companies like us and share those resources. They hire a credit analyst, and our team of credit analysts is working for everybody, and they just pay for what they need. And so it's really a system of scale, of sharing expertise. But one of the things that we do is we also aggregate and pull the credit union's resources together. So you're really getting the lending power of 100 plus credit unions, as opposed to just, you know, maybe that small credit union that you have an account with in small town who you like, but they might not have the resources to do a 50-unit apartment building solo. So, so that's what we really bring them together from the back office, from the sales effort, and the financing to get people what they need. Nice. Okay. So one of the things that, speaking of the size of credit unions versus banks and everything, one of the things that has concerned me over the years is everybody remembers Too Big to Fail from back in the day. And if you go and look at the number of banks out there today, as compared to in the past, there are a lot fewer banks today than there used to be. And we're generally not really opening a whole lot of new ones, a lot of consolidation going on. There's a lot of reasons for that. Do you see that same type of consolidation happening within credit unions? And what are your thoughts about the distribution in the market? Unfortunately, the answer to that is yes. We usually lose about two and a half to three percent of our credit unions a year. Now, there are many, many more credit unions out there in America today than banks. We're in the neighborhood of almost 4,900 credit unions today. So there's still a lot out there. So I, I think we'll continue to see that space But the one X factor that's out there is even in the consolidation market, I don't, one of the things that that I'm confident about is our philosophy will not change in that we we will continue to be not-for-profit cooperatives for the people that are there. And, you know, sometimes you see the, the, you know, the bank sell out and, and then they kind of go off on vacation and can't put the money in their pocket. But really, when you see those mergers in the credit union space, it, it's to build scale. It's maybe, you know, financially, it's in everybody's best interest. But that philosophy is, all, is still there of helping people in their local marketplace. Great. Okay. So now let's turn and focus to, you know, what's in it for the real estate investors out there. And could you highlight some of the differences between working with a credit union as compared to working with a, a bank when it comes to obtaining, you know, a loan for an investment property, for example, at least in, you know, general terms? Oh, oh, absolutely. And keep in mind, we are fi- federally regulated financial institutions. We're friendly, we're cooperatives, but I can't just, you know, walk in and say, you seem like a good guy, here's your money. <laughs> right. And there's always that top 10% that can get anybody thing they want from anywhere. And they're always yes. And there's always that bottom 10% where I can't help you no matter what. It's an always no. But most of us live in the middle and there's a conversation and story. So we're going to still collect 
I, I hate to say we're going to collect the same financials as everybody else, but we are. We're going to get your tax returns. We're going to get the sales agreement. We're going to get an appraisal on the property. We want rent rolls. If you have some projections, great. But really from there, the difference that I like to point out is the process. And from there, we, we don't just simply jam who you are into a machine and out comes an answer. We like to have the conversation about who you are. What are you thinking about for this project? What do you have and where are you going in the future? And sometimes I've even seen people get frustrated with the, con- with the process because that first time we're, we, we ask a lot of questions, not because we're not good at what we do, but because we want to understand you and get you the best answers we can. And so that next one is easy. And because I've never met a real estate investor who buys one property and says, you know, I'm pretty happy for the rest of my life. You want that next property. You want to upscale. You want the bigger. So we want to help you get there. So that's the part that I like the best. And I think, you know, when it comes to the conversations and the relationships, people like that. If you just want a widget answer where it's just a yes or no, you know, we're not for you. It, it, we, we are going to have want to have a conversation and get to know you. But one of the other pieces that I like about working with federal credit unions, that, that's the process. But what we actually deliver, nothing a federal credit union can do can have a prepayment penalty, which and so I think the credit unions offer the fairest terms out there in the marketplace. Now, two years ago, when rates were at 3%, nobody cared about a prepayment penalty because we knew it was rock bottom. But we saw a lot of people who got loans at higher rates and when it dropped, they were stuck or they had to pay a prepayment penalty. And let's face it, rates are back up, probably even a little bit elevated. So now, if when rates go down or you sell the property, you're going to want that flexibility to refinance and move that money. And we do that without a prepayment penalty. Wow, that is pretty unique. So another big aspect of lending in general, when you take out a loan from a bank, there's a good chance, depending on the product, that they're going to sell the loan off into CMBS or sell it off to somebody else and have it serviced uh, versus keep it on their books. There's so many things that they can do with that loan. Is there a difference uh, with credit unions? It sounds like with the prepay- lack of prepayment penalties, rather, um, there's probably a difference in terms of how they can resell and repackage loans. Yeah. Credit unions participate their loans among each other, but that is nothing like the secondary market. You might have, if somebody is lending five, once $5 million, maybe you'll have four credit unions each take a million and a quarter of it and simply move on. But that is, it is held and retained by the originating lender. And what, when you look at a credit union balance sheet, for every dollar of deposits, it's usually about 85 cents of that is lent out to members in your community as opposed to the commercial banks where for every dollar of deposits, it's many multiples higher than that's actually held in loans. And that's why credit unions can have that flexibility because they're keeping those funds and they're managing their own money 
as opposed to a lot of people don't know where your money comes from. You get that loan, but it's actually Wall Street borrowing different bases, and it's somebody else's money that you're borrowing. When you have your deposits at a credit union, it's getting lent out locally to your neighbors, to your small business owners, to your real estate investors, so that it that cycle of money stays locally. So far, there hasn't been a credit union do a sale into the CMBS marketplace in, for to sell it off for securities. Interesting. Okay. So does that impact things like rates and fees in one direction or another? Typically? Yeah, yeah, we have a lot more control over our fees and our costs tend to be less. So it is much easier and cheaper to lend out your own money as opposed to borrow somebody else's money and lend that out and try to make a little bit of a margin. So newer investors especially, but experienced investors are certainly not immune to this. Newer investors tend to make mistakes along the way when they're getting their first or second loan on an investment property. Now, I know about mistakes that folks make in the lending process, especially dealing with credit unions. So let's go through a few of those and mistakes that folks are making when they're going to get an investment property loan. Sure. The first piece, the biggest mistake that I see is people get frustrated because they don't understand the lender that they're dealing with. Much like a restaurant, Every restaurant will give you a meal, but they all do it and give you very different types of meals at different prices and looking for different people and, and what they're trying, the segments that they're trying to fill. Just because every lender is giving money doesn't mean they want, you know, you really have to understand and have that hard conversation of, do you lend in my marketplace? You know, there, there's some people who don't, there's lenders that don't lend to one to four family unit properties, particularly for newer people. There's some people who don't lend to strip centers, some people who only lend in certain marketplaces, or they want you to, maybe you have to be a little bit more developed. So you really want to have that conversation and through friends and referrals and professional partners of the person that I'm talking to, are they a fit for me? Because I've seen it way too often where people get turned down no, not because they're cre they're not credit worthy, but they're talking to the wrong person. They're talking to the wrong lender, and they'll go to cheap, fast money. There's always people who will give you cheap fa or expensive, fast money out there at mob level interest rates. That's always <laughs> an option, but you know what the downside of that is and what your cash flow looks like. So that's always out there. So really shop for people who are a fit for you and stay within that lane. And if somebody's asking you for information, it's because somewhere in their credit policy or the, the bowels of their organization, there's a checklist that they need that. So you may not think it's important. It might not be applicable, but just don't simply ignore it. It's just gonna frustrate you and delay the process. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Any others, any other big mistakes that folks make the, when they're getting started? You know, yeah, those are the big, and if somebody won't have that conversation with you, and you should be able to talk to your lender and interview them. And if they won't give you the details of how they lend and what they lend and who they are, move on. 
So this might be a touchy subject to get into, but we did see a few bank failures earlier this year. Maybe we don't want to get too specific about it, but I'm curious your thoughts on the health of the balance sheets of most credit unions in general these days. I don't want to get too over no, no, specific no, that, about it. That, that's a fair question and, and one that my, my career is based off of. <laughs> so no, I, I don't mind talking about it. And what you saw from some of the failures out there is these institutions held a large amount of uninsured deposits. And credit unions, who owns credit unions? Who has accounts at credit unions? These are 95% retail investor bases. These aren't hot money, large corporate accounts, fintechs carrying millions in there of uninsured deposits. So the, the, you see the health and stability of the credit unions. It's much less touchy because of that, because they are mostly retail-based who are sitting there with a very small amount of uninsured larger deposits. Could you see it happen? Mm, one or two, maybe on the extreme ends, but nothing systemic to our industry that I'm worried about. Liquidity overall is a concern. That's really where I think the, the the marketplace, because you know credit unions were flush with deposits like everybody else the last couple years. They put them to work in loans and investments, and now they are stuck with with a chunk of underwater investments. But they're holding them through maturity, and there's plenty of borrowing bases for credit unions from corporate credit unions and the Federal Home Loan Bank to manage liquidity. But it, but it is much much tighter than it used. To be interesting, I, I feel like when we saw those bank failures, those two big ones, my impression was that I think people got a little overly concerned about it, particularly people who have accounts that are under the FDIC insurance limit at established banks or institutions. Like you got the FDIC insurance, you probably don't really have that much to worry about. But could we see bigger systemic issues? Possibly, but I don't know. Seemed like a lot of a news headline for a lot of people. To me, if that was First Farmers Bank of Southeast Ohio, those places would have failed and everybody would have lost their money. But I think the right, well-connected people had uh, <laughs> uninsured deposits in there and magically we could uh, come up and, and every, nobody lost a dime in deposits even though they failed. So Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. But as far as those of us that have uh, FDIC insured accounts, the FDIC insurance is a pretty sweet deal, and you know a lot of other nations don't have access to that. But uh, yeah, glad we dove into oh, this. Oh, sorry. Thing. And credit unions do have identical structured insurance as the FDIC and the banks. Many people don't realize that or or think it's sub substandard, but but it's the same U.S. government backing the deposits under the same uh, structure. And I'm sure there's folks out there that'll tell you that the you, you can't trust the U.S. government as far as you can throw it. But you know you got to put your trust somewhere and. I'll go for it. I'm not I'm not sweating it. But uh, anyway, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. 
Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Mark, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Sure. My favorite loan of all time was when I helped out a small tea shop in Carlisle. And it is was the most innocuous loan I ever did, but one that I always remember of helping somebody fulfill their dreams and performed well. And it's just, I love loans that tug at my heartstrings and push it out there. So Nice. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin. The worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Sure. It was easily a loan that I did that was government guaranteed. And the deeper we went, somebody in the room said, ah, we have a government guarantee. How much could we get hurt? (laughs) And the answer is a lot. Because if you know something is is not going to go well and a high likelihood of failure, in my, when we put that money out there, we should have just pulled the plug much sooner because we got a chunk of our money back, not all of it, but the time and energy and distraction from making a bad investment is significantly more than the money you actually lose. Yeah, it's true. Well, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Sure. I am not afraid to admit when I am out of my wheelhouse and I like to stay within my lane of what I know. And that's not to say I won't go out of that, but I'm going to bring in experts, make phone calls and push push that in there. And I think that's so important for real estate investors is to stick with what you know and understand and can manage and not just go with what's hot or trendy or a cool tip that somebody gave you. It's great to rely on experts, but you yourself need to understand it. And that's a great way to succeed in your business. Absolutely. I love that. And Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of this knowledge. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch or learn more about what you're up to, where can they track you down? Sure. We'd love to help you get connected with a credit union. Our website is mbfs.org. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and will respond to every message you have out there. So check me out on LinkedIn and uh, that's the best place to to reach me uh, directly. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.